to talk to you. Let me just say this. This song says we're going to fix our eyes on one thing. Scripture tells us who that is. Scripture tells us in Hebrews chapter 12 that it is fixing our eyes on Jesus. See, all the other things come through Christ. All the blessing, favor, power, things that we talk about come through Christ. So we fix our eyes on Jesus. We don't look for the spectacular. You know, the world wants you to think you need something spectacular. Even sometimes the church world, meaning the, the uh, culture of the modern church, you got to have performance, you got to have this, you got to have lights, you got to have camera, you got to have this, you got to have eloquence, you got to have refinement. No, you don't. What you need is to fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. In that scripture, it says, 
discarding the things that distract you. Now in worship, let us discard those things that distract us. And let us fix our eyes on Jesus. There is nothing, no one more worthy to fix our eyes on. There is no one more worthy to fix your eyes upon. So Lord, right now we fix our eyes on you. Yes, Lord. You want to speak to us. You want to fill Jesus. us. You want to encourage us. You want to heal us. You want to be close to us. And so, Lord, we fix our eyes on you. You have greater measure of your presence in our lives. We fix our eyes on you so that we can run the race, so that we can run the race for you. Lord, we want to run the race for you because at the end of the race, there you're standing with an embrace saying, well done, good and faithful servant. So, Lord, we fix our eyes on you. This is one thing that we do. This is the one thing that we do. Come on, let's sing it. We are fixed on this one thing, to know your goodness, see your glory. We're transformed by this one thing, to know your presence, see your beauty. Rushing wind, 
Our praise will rend the heavens. Come fall afresh again. Come like a flame of fire, a mighty rushing wind. Our praise will rend the heavens. Come fall afresh again. Come like a flame of fire, a mighty rushing wind. Our praise will rend the heavens. Come fall afresh again. Come like a flame of fire, a mighty rushing wind. Our praise will rend the heavens. Come fall afresh again. Yes, Lord. a flame of fire, a mighty rushing wind, our praise will rend the heavens, come fall afresh again, come like a flame of fire, a mighty rushing wind, our praise will rend the heavens, come fall afresh again, oh spirit of God in heaven coming down to dwell with us here on earth and while we were in worship and and the, the Lord was just speaking to me and one of the things he was saying was that he wants us to hear his presence everywhere we go and it's interesting because I, I pulled up my scripture and this is what it says this is what David King David one of the greatest worshipers said 
The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forest bare, and in his temple all cry glory. What is glory? Glory is the presence of God coming down to earth. The presence of the Lord filling the sanctuary, filling the temple. You know, it was kind of like the fog this morning. If you saw it, if you're up early and you're, we were looking at El Toro, you couldn't see El Toro because it was surrounded by fog, surrounded by a cloud. And, and I just really feel that there is a, a, God wants to release his presence. You know, we got back and I talked to Michael and I don't know if you want to, if you want to share your testimony in a minute, Michael, I'll put you on the spot. But I really feel God wants to release healing in this place this morning. I really feel that there's a presence of the Lord because scripture says, the prophet Isaiah says, by your stripes, we are healed. Not we may be healed or some people or someone else is healed, but we are healed. So Michael, do you wanna, can I put you on the spot, brother? I want Michael shared something and, and uh, I want him to share with you what God did in his life. Good morning. Uh, I had a health issue a couple weeks ago where I started bleeding profusely. Um, didn't know where it was coming from. Uh, without getting into detail, my, my bladder was blocked. Um, and so I had to go to emergency. Uh, they did a uh, CT scan and an ultrasound and told me that I had a huge tumor in my bladder, the size of the whole inside of my bladder which, um, you know, was interesting, you know, something that just all of a sudden came up, no warning. So they said I had to have an emergency meeting with a urologist. The urologist uh, did his thing and, and uh, basically went, went inside with a camera. He said there's no, and I'm praying all the while, I'm standing on God's word. I am just... Uh, listening to healing scripture, I'm listening to healing people that are preaching on YouTube. I, I shut everything else out and I just stood on God's promises. I didn't even say, I want to be healed. I said, I am healed because that's what God's word says in scripture, that you are healed by my stripes. I went to the cross for your healing. So the urologist comes out and said, I don't know what to tell you, but you don't have a tumor. There's no tumor nothing it's gone it was just all blood and, and blood clots so but we're gonna he kept me at the hospital and said we're gonna do exploratory surgery tomorrow morning find out where you're bleeding from and stop it and I said, oh well okay i'm still reading the word standing on the promises reading every healing scripture i could i i went and thought back about hannah had a, my my stepdaughter had a massive tumor in her chest and she told me, Dad, all I did was read healing scriptures. I had Matt, her husband, read, read those healing scriptures to her day and night whenever he was there. And shut off everybody else that was telling her this and that and the other thing. She said, I just stood on God's word, stood on God's promises. And that's what I did. So the next morning I went into surgery, uh, came out, you know, in the recovery room and I looking for a scar I'm looking for where he cut and I go doc where did you cut at and he goes I, I didn't have to uh, no surgery and so he did a he did a, a procedure that was different than cutting me open and finding out where it was he found the spot he uh, 
took care of that, the bleeding, and now I'm just healing up. Hallelujah. Praise God for the, the moral to the story is just stay in God's word. Keep, you know, it says that your mind gets renewed as you fill your head with God's word and you keep reading his word and, and everything else that's in there gets pushed out. That's what you need. That's what he promises. You stand on those words and promise. And I, I seen two miracles in my life right there in like two days. And now I'm healing up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Michael. I love what Michael said. He stood on the promises. You know, this banner over here in the far corner, Jehovah Rapha, that is the name of God. I am the God who heals. Not I am sometimes the God who shows up to heal. But we trust in the therapy of the Almighty. And so I don't know if you're not feeling well, but I've talked to a couple of you this morning. If you need a touch into your body from the Lord, I just want you to raise your hand right now. Okay, now look around, look around. We're not alone in this, folks. There is a presence of the Almighty God that wants to be released in this place. Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus. If you're around someone with a hand raised up, go over and lay a hand on them. You know, if you have your hand raised up and you're next to someone that has their hand raised up, just touch hands together. We're gonna agree together that our God is a God who still performs miracles. He is, the word of God says, and all the promises of God are yes, to which we say, amen. So Father, we just come to you right now, Lord. We're singing about opening heaven. And Lord, we know wherever two or three are gathered in your midst, you're there. So Lord, we come together this afternoon, this morning, and God, we pray and we ask that you would supernaturally touch your sons and daughters. Michael's testimony is a prophecy for one of us here. Michael's testimony of how God touched him is a prophecy for someone that needs a, a release of supernatural healing in their bodies. So Lord, right now we just speak to, to cancers, Lord, that you would just dissolve them like you did Michael's uh, uh, issue with his blood, Father. Like you touched the woman that had the issue of blood and instantly she was healed, oh God. We come to your throne this morning, God, and we don't have to beg. You already did the work on the cross. The work on the cross provides our, not just our redemption, but the healing of our bodies. Through your stripes, we were healed. We are healed. So God, we just reach out right now to that merciful nail-scarred hand and we ask that you would touch us, oh God. Lord, release healing into our bodies. Release healing into our minds, Lord. Some of us, God, you wanna heal us of our past, that you just wanna set us free, Lord, from the things in our past that kept us and are keeping us from an intimate relationship with you. So Lord, we just release that over our bodies right now. Lord, we just declare your goodness. We will testify of your goodness, Lord, in the land of the living. We will proclaim, like, like King David said, how, Lord, you can strip the, the oak trees and you can tear off the, the, all of those, uh, the bark and the, 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 you can twist the oak trees and strip the forest bare. And, Lord, that talks about your ability to renew. And, Lord, we glorify you for that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now let's continue to declare his goodness to us. Thank you, Jesus. 
the spirit break out break our walls down oh spirit break out heaven come down spirit Didn't want heaven without us. 
Jesus' work on the cross says differently. And I agree with him. I agree with the name above all other names. That's who I agree with. Michael's testimony, as he said, I stayed in the word. I said, I am healed. He was silencing the boast of the disease. He said, it will not captivate me. It will not cause me to agree with it. Right now, as we sing this song, let's silence the boast. Some of us, we lean into the boast. We lean into the world. We lean into it and we start to inch toward agreement. And the Lord is saying, I have silenced the boast. I have said, now you exercise that. You exercise that with the breath, the breath of God that has been placed in you, which is the Holy Spirit. Now you silence that boast right now. It does not have power over you. It does not have authority over you. It is not victorious. I am victorious. I am victorious. My name is above all other names. Now exercise. Exercise your faith. Come on, let's sing. Death could not hold you. The veil tore before you. You silenced the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring. The praise of your glory. For you are raised to life again. You have no rival. You have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Yours is the name. Nothing can stand against what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. Yes, you know. 
praise, Lord. You are adored, Jesus. We lift you up and put you in your highest place. Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord. Worthy, worthy, worthy. You are worthy of our worship. You are worthy of our praise. We adore you, King of kings and Lord of lords. Just so worship him in your, your own time, your own place. Sing out a song to the Lord. Sing a song to Jesus. Wonderful are you, Lord. faithful father and friend who is like unto thee you're our healer you're our savior you're our deliverer you're our strong tower bless your holy name Bless your holy name, Jesus.
saw at the right hand of him who sat at the throne with writing on both sides and seals with seven seals and I saw a mighty angel proclaiming a loud voice who is worthy to break the seal and open the scroll but no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside of it and I wept because no one was found to be worthy to open the scroll and look inside then one of the elders said to me do not weep See the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scrolls and its seven seals. Then I saw the lamb looking as if he had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. And the lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which were seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from his right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell before the lamb. Each one had a harp and were holding bowls, golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain and your, by your blood you purchased from God persons of every tribe and every language, and every people, and every nation, and you have made them to be kingdoms of priests to serve our God, and they will reign on earth. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. Thank you, Lord, for your grace, that you love the nations, that you love the people. That, God, you love when we worship you, Lord, because you are worthy. God, you are so unbelievably worthy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You can be seated. I love when we worship the Lord and I was thinking we need to have you start teaching us some songs so we could worship in your mother tongue so we could worship in the praise of every language every tribe every kindred every people group you know there's nothing more beautiful than traveling you know we've had the privilege of traveling to a lot of countries and to worship with people that you don't know their language, but you know their spirit, you know? And you may be sitting in a service and not understanding a word they're saying, but you understand everything they're saying, you know? 
And we serve a mighty, awesome God, don't we? It's good to be back with you. We've, my wife and I, we've got, she, she dressed like a tiger this morning. We saw tigers in the jungles. It's a leopard, excuse me. A spotted leopard. You, know, you got to keep me straight. Uh, we've been up since uh, early this morning, where I think we're someplace over Greenland, a time zone, where we'll get there probably by next Sunday. Uh, it's good to be back. I want to share, I want to read a passage of scripture to just talk about the goodness of the Lord. Aren't you glad that the Lord loves you? Aren't you glad that he loves you just where you're at? You don't have to put on any pretenses or fake it until you make it. You just have to love him and let him love you. You know, I was reading in the Psalms early this morning in Psalm 119, and uh, it, it says, you know, I was listening to some C.C. Winan talking, singing about the goodness of God, and then I opened up the scripture, and it was talking about the goodness of God. Listen to what it says in Psalm 119, starting in verse 65. It says, do good to your servant according to your word, Lord. Teach me knowledge and good judgment, and I will trust your commands. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. How many of you relate with that? You know, you're afflicted, you went away. Through the arrogance that uh, smeared me with lies, I kept your precepts within my heart. Their hearts are callous and unfeeling, but I delight in your law. It is good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn from your decrees. From the law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. And I thought about how good the Lord is to his sons and daughters. You know, turn to someone and tell them, God is good to me. Peter, God's good to me. Is he good to you? Yeah. Rick, you're in a cage and God's still good to you. You know? You know, it doesn't matter whatever you're facing in life. You know, you could be facing a difficult situation and... You know, you could be facing health issues. You could be facing job insecurity. Some of you could be facing infertility. And God is still good. He has never once not been good. He's never once stopped being good. It's part of his character and his nature. It's who he is. He can't change that. It's from the beginning of time he was that way. And, and a lot of times when we go through life, we hit some sort of speed bump in life, and we're like, God, why, why, why is this happening to me? God, if you're so good, why do you allow bad things to happen? And he says, like, I love how the psalmist wrote it. He says, it was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. You know, sometimes when everything's going good, we just, we go on autopilot, you know? And, but God's wanting us to actually get in deep with him and to know him intimately and personally so that when we hit the speed bumps, we could say, it is well with my soul. You know, I think about Jesus. You know, we think Jesus didn't have to suffer, but yet he went through everything you and I will ever go through. Yet he didn't sin. You know why? Because he was hardwired into the presence of the Lord. And that's something that you and I could do as well. And that's where his word comes in because... The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Just think about this. I don't know if you ever think about this. The disciples didn't have the New Testament. All they had was the Torah, the Old Testament, the law, the history, the prophets. We have the teachings of Jesus that tell us about what has happened. We were able to read the book of Revelation, which says that there is no one worthy on this planet or under this planet or anywhere around this planet. And if there's creatures on other, other celestial beings way out there, they're not worthy of it either. There's only one that's worthy. And we get to read that testimony and hear of the goodness of the Lord. And I just want to encourage you, you know, we have seen God do some amazing things, but I tell you what, he's not done yet. 
He wants to manifest his presence in you everywhere you go. And I'm, I'm just excited about what God's doing. And, and I want to just encourage you to continue to be faithful to him. You know, the psalmist tells us that. The Apostle Paul in the book of Romans tells us, you know, that some things work together for the good of those, right? You know, is, is that what it says? No, it says all things, not some things. The good, the bad, the ugly, the things that you think, oh, God, how could you do this? Because it gets you back to his decrees. It gets you back to his word. It gets you back to saying, Lord, I'm not going to trust in my silver and gold. I love how the psalmist said it. You're more precious than silver and gold. You're more precious than Silicon Valley Bank. You're more precious than First Republic Bank. You're more, you're more precious than gold bullion. You're more precious than anything, Lord. You know, I love... When we were in, in India, I was sharing, and I, I shared about Peter walking into the gate, into the temple on his morning prayer time, and a beggar was laying there, alms, alms. He was looking for a cash handout, you know? And I love what Peter said, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. There is something more powerful than your 401. There's something more powerful than your paycheck. There's something more powerful than the equity you have in your home. And that is the Lord God Almighty who loves you and cares for you and wants the best for you, to bless you, so that you could walk around and tell about his goodness. Amen? Well, it's good to be back with you. I am uh, excited about what God's doing. Uh, if you're a guest, guest or visitor, we're glad you're here. And uh, welcome you. We have a lot of things going on uh, after service today. Uh, there's the, still the uh, Foundations of Faith class that will be meeting in the fellowship hall. If you haven't signed up for that, feel free to do so. You can just show up and be there. Uh, we also have uh, a, a new ministry. ¿Cuál es su nombre? Lengua del corazón. Mi Spanish is no bueno. I tell people... Mi, mi, mi lengua es inglés, mi corazón es latino. Uh, so uh, uh, you have to help me practice my Spanish. Uh, we're going to be starting a ministry uh, for our Spanish-speaking brothers and sisters. It'll start off with our sisters. It'll be uh, uh, teaching some things, and Laura is going to be uh, translating for that in our services. Maria Bristol is going to be helping lead that. We're going to have a great time. I want you to start inviting people, start getting the word out. You know, my brother-in-law is a... Uh, uh, a, a broker with Edward Jones, and he said it takes eight to ten times for you to ask a person to do something before they do it. So don't get weary in being told no. You know, I tell people all the time, I've had better people than you tell me no. So keep telling them and keep asking them and keep asking them to come, come and keep inviting them and see what will happen. Another thing we're having is uh, Shelly uh, Roberts, uh, one of our new staff members. Uh, Shelly is going to be doing some great teaching. She's going to be doing a thing for the youth ministry on sex and basically Satan's distortion versus God's design. Uh, parents, if you have uh, any questions, she's going to be doing a Zoom uh, question and answer before the thing for the parents so you know what she's going to be talking about. But it's going to be a great opportunity. Uh, Shelly is a clinical uh, psychologist and she's also an ordained minister and got some great experiences uh, working with uh, healing couples and individuals of sexual addictions. And she's going to be talking very candid with, with the youth on June 21st. That weekend, she's also going to be doing on a Friday night, she's going to be doing a singles 
uh, uh, training, Never Alone, as a single person. She has some incredible insights to the Word of God that she'll be sharing uh, with you on that. So invite people to that. It, these are all free of charge. No, There's not going to be any cost. And then on uh, Saturday, she's going to have a marriage tune-up. It's going to be a marriage refresher seminar. Uh, you don't have to have come to the first one. Uh, if you're thinking about getting married, if you're, you're planning on getting married, you're engaged, you can come. Uh, if you're married, come. Invite your friends. It's a free event, and she'll give you some really good skills based upon the Word of God that can help you to grow and, and understand in all three of those meetings. So we're really excited about her partnership with us as a church. And then uh, our ministry partners, we have some new ministry partners uh, we uh, recently uh, were in Bangladesh, and we had a great opportunity uh, to meet many uh, new friends as well as some older friends who were there. And these two sisters are, are incredible ladies. Uh, Sister uh, Sabitri up in the top with Pastor Lynn. She is a single uh, woman. She was widowed. Her husband died a few years ago. And uh, uh, years ago, we went to Bangladesh, and the Lord put Bangladesh on my heart. I started reaching out to one of the pastors, and he said, hey, can you help this sister? And so uh, my wife and I sewed into to building her, the, her, her church. Uh, we will never ask you to give into something that we already haven't given into. And we had the privilege uh, uh, in February to go visit her and her church. And if you were here after we came back from that, my wife said it was the cleanest bathroom in all of Bangladesh. Uh, and India. It was an absolutely beautiful. She's a beautiful sister, single woman, pastoring a church. Uh, out in the uh, village area outside of uh, Kolna, Bangladesh. And then Sister uh, Selena on the bottom, uh, she is a Muslim convert that has uh, planted two churches among uh, the Muslim people in Bangladesh. Uh, Bangladesh is 90-some, 93% uh, Islamic, and she's doing a great job. We've committed to helping build a church for her, and we have all but... We need $9,800. We're going to build her a church. Um, she is a powerful lady. We, when we came around the corner to see her, she was sitting there with a group of women, and I said it was like, it was like the uh, uh, a bouquet of flowers sitting, and they were watching the Jesus film in Bengali on a little little tiny uh, television set that she had hooked up, and uh, we're going to help her and uh, develop a, another strong relationship with one of the other uh, regions of that world. So. I want to thank you for your faithfulness in giving. Uh, we're going to wait upon you for your tithes and offerings. Uh, you can give either in the offering. You can give online either through Zelle or through PayPal. Or, or if you're watching online, you can mail it in or do it electronically, whichever is the easiest for you. Uh, but we want to just uh, thank you for your faithfulness in giving. God has been very good to this church. And the board and the pastoral staff have been really good stewards and managers of those funds. And we thank God for your faithfulness and we will continue to be faithful in our giving. Lord, we ask your blessing upon both the gift and the giver now. Lord, we ask that you would bless this offering for the work of the ministry here in the South Valley and uh, with all of our global partners. Lord, we ask and pray that you would just bless this offering, and we thank you for it, Father, in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you as you give. Worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve the praise, worthy is your name, worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve the praise, worthy is your name, oh worthy is your name. 
you stand and we're gonna if you're comfortable greet someone say hello to someone uh, and then uh, we'll come back and share a few things with you okay It's good to be back with you. Uh, we're going to be, uh, if anyone's watching online, uh, we're going to go silent because we're going to be talking about a few things, uh, somewhat confidential, but uh, we'll have the volume back up. So if you're watching uh, and the volume's dead online, you'll, you're, you're not losing your hearing. Uh, it'll come back in a little bit. There you go. Uh, and uh, so we want you to pray. Uh, some of you can go, some of you could pray, some of us can give, but we could all work together to do the work of the Lord. And the beautiful thing about it is you may never meet these people on this side of eternity, but someday you're going to meet them and they're going to say thank you for sowing in. And uh, interesting thing, the things with the kids at the House of Hope or uh, down in the uh, southern part of the state, they, they took their 10th grade tests and they scored the highest in their testing. Some of them are in college. One of them wants to be a doctor. These are kids that we've been sewing into yep. for 10 years. Yep, yep, yep. And we're changing, change, change a person, change a nation. And that's what we're doing. Pastor Lynn. Praise the Lord. We just one powerful church. We're going to remain powerful. We are committed to the assignment that the Lord has for this house. That is not separate. That is integrated with the assignment that God has over our lives together. We could not do this without you. We wouldn't want to do it without you, by the way. You are just as much a part of this as we are. And um, no, India is not going to take us away from you. We are here to stay until you kick us out. Uh, amen. Kick us out. Okay, that's fine. Just kidding. Because we have a mission. And, you know, this mission isn't about me and it's not about you. It's about him. And it's about us following what he has um, asked us to do. I'm thankful for our team, uh, Michael and Angie, troopers. If you ask them, if you think this is Pastor David and Lynn are on a, on a vacation, go ask them how, what kind of vacation we just went on. Because it's not a vacation. It's 21 days of work. Long days, praying with people for hours. But it's so worth it. Uh, Dr. Shelley is out. She's sick today. She is at my house, sick. And then um, Melody, who is also with us, she was a nurse. She was sick, actually quite ill. We had to bring her to the emergency room while uh, we were over in India. So we did have some challenges in that way. 
but God was good, and um, I'm going to tell you, the Lord showed up. We are on a grand adventure with the Lord. You are on a grand adventure with the Lord. The fact is, though, that the enemy wants to convince you that there is no grand adventure for you. But there is. Jesus has a grand adventure for you, and we need to be doing what Jesus is asking us to do in our lives. Don't get distracted. Don't get diluted. Don't get compromised. Fix your eyes on Jesus. The most exciting life you'll ever have is when you fix your eyes on Jesus and do what he's telling you to do. That's why I want to declare today that I love Jesus. That's what this is all about, is Jesus. He is the answer. He's still the answer. He's always been the answer. He'll always be the answer. For every nation, for every tongue, for every situation, he is the answer. It's interesting because I've been exposed to a lot of pretty bad situations, having traveled all over the world and in some very um, terrible places. And you look into people's eyes and you look into, you see maybe some of the circumstances that they're in. And yet, when the presence of Jesus enters into that situation, into that person's life, he's their answer. He is their answer. And he's your answer. He is your answer. We are a muscle church, and that means we want maturity. We want to be on the meat of the word of God. It's important because the storms do rage. The storms do rage in life. We are not storm absent. There are storms in our life. And in order for us to be able to withstand those storms, we need to be a muscle church that knows the meat of the word and raises people into maturity. Too much shallow alleys and, and people topple quite easily when they're not Rooted and grounded. And as we move forward in time, we need to be rooted and grounded. Scripture says in the last days, they will want to refuse sound doctrine. They just want to have what's tickling their ears. Scripture says that. Not me. I'm not saying that. Scripture says that. And the, and the thing is this. We don't want to be an ear-tickling place. We want sound doctrine. Amen. Well, Jesus is here right now with us. He's here right now. We don't just talk. He is present. He is present here with us right now. When we began the service this morning, as we began to sing this, the song that we're going to fix our eyes, Hebrews 12.1 says this. Hello, Jesus. Yes. He, we don't need to be on the phone. He can hear us. Yeah, yeah. No, just kidding. <laughs> I've had my phone go off in very quiet chapel services. I know what that's like. Um, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance and race, the race marked out for us. That is the goal for every life. Sometimes if you look at people like David and I who are quote, professional ministers, you say, well, that's for you, but I got other things to be doing. No, it's for everyone that we are to fix our eyes on Jesus and throw off everything that hinders, and we have a race. You have a race to run with for persevering, perseveringly. Revelation 7, 9 says this, 
And Pastor David uh, read some scripture from Revelation that I will read in a minute. But this is what the end of the book says. After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and language, standing before the throne and before the lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hand. So this helps us to understand what is the race? What is it all about? What is your race all about? Ultimately, you are his witness. Ultimately, no matter what assignment that you have in your life, whether you're a teacher, you're a businessman, a business owner, construction worker, police officer, nurse, whatever your assignment may be professionally, you still are called to be a witness. You are still called to carry his message, his gospel in your life and through your life. It's no different. We just all have different applications, but that is what our assignment is. Amen, Pastor Lynn. Okay. I gave you a break from me for two, three weeks. I didn't even preach on Easter. Come on. Now you can say, Amen, Pastor Lynn. Amen. Revelation 5, 1 through 13. Pastor David read this scripture already, and uh, I'm going to read it again. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw... A mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. Not at the end. He has triumphed. Right now, he has triumphed. He has triumphed. He is able to open the scrolls and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. You know what I love about that? The lamb looking as if it had been slain. He didn't erase his scars. He's proud of his scars. He's proud of the victory that he has. You know what? When you, let me just make a pause here. You don't need to be ashamed of your scars. You don't need to be ashamed of what you've gone through. Actually, that is the pathway of your testimony. That's a pathway of you to show forth the victory. So many people, the enemy wants to, to keep you ashamed of your past journey, meaning what you've gone through. You know what? Scripture also says that Jesus scorned the shame of the cross. He stomped on the shame of the cross. He refused to be ashamed. He scorned the shame. I told the persecuted church, scorn the shame of persecution. Scorn the, the shame of being rejected. You scorn that shame. You don't have to be ashamed of that. Some of us, we can get ashamed of some things. Jesus was not ashamed, ever ashamed of the cross. That's why he didn't have his scars erased. Some of us need to open up our mouths about the testimony that we have. People don't know that you've gone through because you don't want to tell them because you're ashamed of what you've gone through. And know what that is? That's the enemy shutting your mouth. He's shutting your mouth from the testimony that you have regarding what Jesus has done in your life. 
This is an example, as as elsewhere is, that Jesus, the lamb, looking as if he had been slain, is standing there. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You want to talk about what the mission is. The revelation tells us what the mission is. Matthew 28 tells us what the mission is. Acts 1.8 tells us what the mission is. And you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witness. That's your mission. You have made them to be kingdom. And priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. And I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne, and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive power, and wealth, and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and on the sea, and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worshiped. This is the Jesus we know. This is the Jesus we serve. He is to receive all honor and glory and praise. This is who, this is a description of the Jesus that we engage with every day. It's not just about when I get to heaven, the sweet by and by, that is one of the most um, off theologies. You know why? Because it made a passive church. It made a passive people. That somehow victory is in the air somewhere, out there, in the future. And here we're just surviving. The fact is this. This description is the Jesus that we serve and know right now. It's the Jesus of Hebrews chapter 12, the great cloud of witnesses. This is a description of that. See... The world may try to tell you something different about Jesus. Your flesh may try to tell you something to tone it down. Tone it down. Tone it down. Well, that's what the enemy wants you to do. Tone it down. Why are you toning it down? So that the world can shout louder and get the attention of the people. Tone it down. You'll lose your audience. No, I'll gain my audience. I'll gain my audience. You know what's interesting about being with persecuted people? 
And, it, and it's actually a beautiful thing because you know, a lot of times we talk about the persecuted church and it's such an ambiguous term. We kind of talk about, but we don't really know what it means until you go and you're with them. And they describe it to you. And they're there. They're telling you their story. They're telling you kind of like real time what it's like. And I'll tell you, Mike and Angie and Pastor David and I and Shelly and Melody and the youth and, the, and Brian and Mark, we engaged with them. But I, I'm going to say I held weeping pastors, many weeping pastors. And yet, and yet, because there is suffering involved, and yet, the church is growing. And yet, the church is being packed out. Packed out. Because the message of the gospel keeps going forth in power through the lives of people who refuse to be silenced, who refuse to tone it down, who refuse to be acceptable to the world. You know, I'm going to totally go off my notes today. That's what I'm going to do. Let me just ask you a question. Preach on. Might get a little conviction, though, if I preach in this way. I want to challenge us here to not tone it down. Quit being acceptable. Quit playing the world's game. Quit playing the world's game. The enemy wants you to play his game. He wants you, and by playing his game, you know what? He's controlling you. He's controlling the volume. He wants us in a very, in comparison, in comparison to other parts of the world, in a very comfortable setting. I do not have one fear that police are going to come and disband this. I don't have one fear of that right now. I have fears of other things, but not that. Not really fears. But in a sense, sometimes we can get really toning it down. And I want to challenge us to turn up the volume. And I don't mean shouting at people. I'm not saying that. What I mean is the glory of the Lord manifested through your life. What I mean is go and tell, meaning there are a lot of people that are hungry out there. There are a lot of hurting people. There are desperate people out there. There's desperate people in your families. There's desperate people right in your coworkers, in the lives of people around you. They're desperate for the answer, and they're being fed the world's answers, and they're being left empty. They're being left starved. They even have diseases of the world. Come on, let us go and tell. Don't give in to your flesh. To the embarrassment of that. There is no shame in it. You know, the thing is this. After, especially after being with the persecuted church and the control that governments and different people want over people. I was telling David, you know, how demonic it is to try to shut up Christians from telling 
the gospel. You know why it's demonic? I'm going to tell you why it's demonic. Because what's the enemy trying to do? Prevent people from knowing Christ, from going to heaven, from being saved, from being free. That's what the enemy's trying to do. How is he trying to do it here? That would be our question. How is he trying to do it here? Getting us so comfortable? Thinking that we've got time? How is it? We've got to ask ourselves, and, I, and, it, and it's a question that we ask our own person. I ask my own person that. It's one reason why we're going to go into the jails. We're going through a, a, a clearance process, a team of us going into the jails. I'm saying, Lord, how can I be a witness? That's why we're doing the, the Spanish-speaking ministry. How can I, as a pastor, get out there into groups of people that I am not in, that need Jesus, that are desperate for Jesus? How can I change my dynamic? But not just me, you, you. That's how, that's how we're witnesses. See, the world may try to distract us, but you know what distracts us the most? Flesh. Our own flesh. Our own flesh. The comfort zone of not having to change. May you have such a passion for Jesus. I mean, such a passion for Jesus that you want to do what he has asked you to do. See, it's interesting. We just celebrate before, last time I was with you, we were celebrating Easter. And Matthew 28 tells us the Easter story, the story of when the women go to the tomb. And it's interesting in Matthew 28 because the trajectory of that scripture starts with the resurrection. The women come to the tomb. Then Jesus appears to the women. And then he tells them, he tells them to Mary, go and tell the disciples. So that's the next stage. He invites Mary right away into the supernatural calling to go and tell the gospel. The gospel message. That is, he is risen. That is, there's a finished work of the cross. That is, he, right away, he invites humans into the message. Then, in the next part of that scripture, Matthew 28, it talks about what the scurry and the worry of the world. Because they find out that Jesus' body is missing. So they make up a story. They get together. They make up a story. What is going to be the story? They want to put some, some negative twist on it, on, not only on Jesus, but on the belief. So right there in the middle of that. And then it goes into... Jesus appearing before the disciples, and how some of them doubted. So it mentions that in it, that, that even those who were committed to Jesus had doubts. And what we know about doubts, it prevents us from being a witness, doesn't it? And then at the end, we all know the part at the end is the Great Commission. That Jesus says now, go into all the world, make disciples. This is the trajectory. This, if you only needed one chapter in Scripture that shares the whole trajectory of the calling of humans, it's right there. 
invited into the supernatural. That has not changed. You have a calling. You have been invited into the supernatural. See, the enemy always has the plot, always has the plot, even in your life and my life right now, to have the world reject the message and the person of Jesus. There's a plot. It may be an intellectual plot. It may be a philosophical plot. It can be like a don't tread on another person's rights plot, whatever it may be. There is a plot by the enemy to keep people from going and telling from sharing the gospel message. So let me share you, with you a story. We were just with some of our friends. They're Indian lawyers, Light Life Freedom. We just shared a, a picture of them. They're telling us a story. They do a lot of work legally for the persecuted church. Not only do they have the care for those children in Light Life Freedom, but they do a lot of work for the persecuted church. They go and defend the rights of pastors, and they do it without charge, and it is dangerous. It is dangerous for them. Their lives are threatened. Their lives are threatened, and it's interesting because they're telling us some of these stories, incredible stories, because we know that uh, certain people have been jailed. We even shared it in our prayer request, if you remember us sharing it through the the prayer force and different things that um, some of our pastors had been jailed. And um, so Pradeep and Jyoti were people who were helping them get out of jail. And so they're defending these pastors in court or before the judge, their rights to tell the gospel message. Their right as a human being because in their religion as a Christian, they are to obey the word of God. And that is to go and tell. So this is court, right? And so they're being battered, and there's some, some of them that are proclaiming that Jyoti and Pradeep are blasphemy, blasphemy, based upon what religion those people were from. And so they're like, you know... It reminded me a lot of the book of Acts, what Paul the Apostle did. And, you know, people are telling them that they're blaspheming right there in the court. And Jyoti and Pradeep said, we're not telling you about Jesus. We know Jesus. Okay, so they're in court. We're not telling you about Jesus to defend these people or about Christianity. We know Jesus. And they start to tell their testimony because Pradeep and Jyoti, no person came and witnessed to them. But actually, and in Pradeep's case, he was a raging alcoholic, high caste, raging alcoholic. He was also in the Air Force uh, legal team and all of this. And he was at the end of his rope. He was suicidal. This is his testimony. And Jesus appeared to him. And for three days, Jesus walked with him. So, fast forward, all these years later, he's in court. Now, let me just say, he paid a big price to serve Jesus because he was high caste Indian. His family re- totally rejected him. Totally, he lost everything. He was high caste, meaning his family played polo with Prince Charles's family. That's how high caste. 
So he was totally cast out from his family. Fast, so he's paid a price, but he knows Jesus. He knows the reality of Jesus. Fast forward to being in court, defending the pastors who are sharing the gospel because of the conviction that they have to obey God's word, refusing to be shut down, refusing to have the, the volume turned down. And he says, I'm not telling you this because I know this religion. I'm telling you this because I know Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Do you know Jesus like that? Because when you know Jesus like that, you have a conviction. And that conviction is, I don't care what people think about me. I don't care if they reject me. I don't care if they think I'm foolish or insane. I know Jesus. I know Jesus. See, the world plots, and the enemy uses the world around it to plot to tone down the voice of God in you. That's what the enemy wants. He wants to tone you down so that we do not have the message being proclaimed from our lives. The enemy wants to distort it. He wants to convince you. He even wants to convince you that people don't need Jesus, that they don't want Jesus. They, he wants you to be convinced somehow that it's harming them in some way to tell them about Jesus. It's not. They're going to hell. They're captive. They're captive. It's not, it's, they're captive. Jesus is the answer. John 16, verse 8 and 13. The spirit of truth. This is what Jesus says. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. Verse 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. I love this. Because the world's big about deception. The world's big about stirring the distractions. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. The spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. Jesus leaves. He goes. He's ascended. He sends the Holy Spirit to dwell in us because one of the things the Holy Spirit's name is is the spirit of truth. This is actually a powerful name for the Holy Spirit because I find such a swirl and domination of deception. Deception in lots of ways. I was thinking about children and how there's such an attack on children and on the formation of children, especially on the formation of identity, the formation of their thinking, emotional formation, many things. And I was actually very burdened about that, very burdened. We have school here, schools here. I feel very responsible for our children. I feel responsible for our church children. I feel responsible for all the children that we support. I feel responsible for all my grandchildren. I, I feel responsible for the children of our community. And I was thinking about, Lord, with all of the deceptions out there, the stirring of those deceptions as if they are truth and as if they are freedom, but actually building captivity into children and teenagers and adults as well. 
the spirit of truth is so needed. And so I was praying about the children, and the Lord said, you know what? Children need to have the spirit of truth at a young age dwelling in them. Because the greatest defense to deception is knowing the one who is the truth. Do you hear me? The greatest defense to deception is knowing the one who is the truth. You want your children to have the greatest defense to deception, get them to know Jesus. We can run them around to all other kinds of things. You're like, Pastor Lynn, my goodness, you're going after. I am. Because I'm so burdened for that. That the children would have the spirit of truth. I know this as a person who grew up with parents who made sure I knew Jesus. They made sure I knew Jesus. My mom led me to Jesus at four years old. I remember the day. I remember where I was. It was a real conversion. It was a real experience. And I kept saved from that day forward. Not one day did the enemy have of my life. Not one. Nor will he have one. Until the day I die, he will not have one day. But the spirit of truth was placed inside me. Did I have some hard knocks? Did I have some challenges? Did I have some things that came against me that tried to deceive me both inside the church and outside of the church and in the world? Absolutely. But when it came down to it, the spirit of truth was stronger than the deceptions or the temptations around me. There's this idea amongst church people, that the world's power is just simply greater. It's not. I'm so scared of the world's power. Why? Why are you scared of it? When his power, he says it in his word. His power is greater, greater. First John 4, 4, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But the spirit of truth must dwell in you. And be strong in you. Not visiting the spirit of truth. Living in the truth. I'm living in the truth. I consult the Holy Spirit. My filter is the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter that I'm a pastor. You can be a, a business person, a parent, a grandparent, an educator, a teacher, I don't, it doesn't matter. The filter of your life as a believer is the spirit of truth. Whether you're here or in India or in Bangladesh or in Nepal or in Sri Lanka, wherever God has placed you, sing God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm totally off my notes. Let me just say this. The Lord has placed you with the power of the Holy Spirit, and he has given to you the word of his power. He has given, listen to me, he has given to you the word of his power. Let me explain that a little bit. Jesus 
how Scripture describes the word of his power, Jesus' power, Hebrews 1.3, and he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. He upholds all things by the word of his power. Hebrews 11.3, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. John 1.3, all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. Colossians 1, 16 and 17. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him, all things hold together. There is something, there, everything was created by the word of his power. He demonstrates, so Jesus comes, this is who Jesus is, Right? Through the word of his power. Speaking in these texts of who Jesus was before the world came into being. Then Jesus comes to earth. Jesus lays aside. We know Philippians 2 says this. He lays aside his divinity. He is always God. Fully man, fully God. But he lays aside his divinity. In other words, I will not access the power of that divinity. And everything I do, I will do only by the power of the Holy Spirit. Only by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he begins to demonstrate the word of his power here on earth. Actually, Peter speaks about this as well, Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We know through uh, what Scripture shows us in, in the Gospels that Jesus demonstrated the word of his power through casting out demons, through healing the sick. Scripture says, Matthew 8, 7, but only, the centurion says to him, only speak the word, and I know that my servant will be healed. The word of his power goes forth. He demonstrates the word of his power over all principalities and powers and the demonic in people's lives. And then... What he did, he showed us that, how to live full of the power of the Holy Spirit. He goes to the cross. He dies for our sins. He is resurrected, and he sends his Holy Spirit to dwell in us so that we now can demonstrate the word of his power. Let me give you an example. There was a lot of demonic activity in our conferences you say, there's no demonic activity here. I say, it's just cloaked in other things, but it's present. <laughs> I'll challenge you there. But anyway, that's not what we're talking about. And so there was this one first night, I believe it was the first night, there was this lady who began to manifest like a snake. And she did the snake tongue, the forked tongue, like that whole thing. Um, the, one of the pastors cast out the demon, whatever. So um, later, so the demon's cast out of this lady. And next day we're praying for people. I recognized her. And uh, I was going to pray with her. And then she started getting the snake tongue out. I'm like, oh. No. I'm like, hmm. Snake tongue went away real fast. All I said, Mike knows because he heard me saying it. He was standing behind me. Happened to be holding my purse. I think it was on my way out. I don't know. I'm all, no. No. I'm not playing with you. You're done. Get out of here. 
by the word of his power. Not the word of my power. I don't have power. He has power over that. You have power over that. But you've got to have that confidence to know that he has the word of the power of his power in your life. So let me give you another example. Power over sickness and disease. Another lady. Might have been the same night. I don't know. But it was a women's conference. And she was deaf in one ear. And so she pointed at me. She can't hear at the ear. I'm like, okay. I was wiped out by then. I was super wiped out. I was on my way out. I think Mike still had my purse. I'm not, I think so. <laughs> Good guy, Mike. So I said, you know what? I'm tired. But you know what? I'm going to pray over this lady. Put my hand over the thing. Jesus, open. 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 And all of a sudden, she went, woo! I'm like, okay, open. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. And she said, Hallelujah. I said, Hallelujah. 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 I'll tell you what, this gal, she was jazzed for the rest of the time. I mean, all the rest of the conference, she was all, man. And then she shows up at our next conference, fire conference. I see her over there. She's like, she's got it. You know, I mean, she's been healed, she's been filled, she's everything. The word of his power in our lives, it's not different for me than it is for you. Same power, same Jesus in you, dwelling in you. Acts 2.33, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, this is what Peter preaches, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. He has poured out. He has poured it out. He has poured out the Holy Spirit upon the people. And Paul writes later, 2 Corinthians 4.13, this is what Paul says. I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. My question is, do you believe? Do you believe? Because if you believe, you're going to speak. I believed, and therefore, I have spoken. I believe, therefore, I've spoken. You know what? The name of this message is, I love Jesus. But you know what I want you to do? I want you to turn up the volume. Turn up the volume. I love Jesus. And therefore, I speak because I believe. I speak because I believe. 1 Thessalonians 1.5, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Not only in the word, but also in power. Come on, Peter, come on up here. The Holy Spirit, the, the, the gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power. Not just words. There's a lot of words out there. There's a lot of Christian words out there. There's a lot of chatter out there. And one of the problems with that is there's a lot of words and no power. There's a lot of arguing. There's a lot of criticism of the world. Do you understand what I'm saying? A lot of condemnation of the world with the words. I don't think that's what our job is. <laughs> I don't think that was Jesus' job. That can't be our job. Because Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save it. Therefore, I speak with power. 
I speak with power. I like what Paul says also in Corinthians, for the kingdom of God, that's the kingdom you and I belong to. That's the kingdom the Indian brothers and sisters that are persecuted, they belong to that kingdom. For the kingdom of God, that's our first dwelling place. Not our nationality where we live and reside. Our dwelling place is his kingdom first. At least that's what the scripture says. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of words, but of power. There's a lot of words out there, but Jesus didn't leave us with words. He left us with the word of his power. He left us with the gospel. Romans 1, 6 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation. Grandma, tell me again. Tell me again. How much Jesus loves me. Tell me again. When we sit with especially the light life freedom children the ones rescued from the pit of hell by the way you tell them you know what the Lord loves you we love you I want you to know you're not alone and sometimes I know you feel alone I know sometimes you do but I want you to know there's a group of people who love you so much and their eyes brighten their spirits, they smile. I said, you have family. See, in those words, there's words of power. They're eating it up. Those are words of power, too. It's not just rise up and be healed. It's not just no to the demon. It's you are loved. And not only does God love you, but I love you. I'm there for you. I want to see you do your best. I want you to stand. We don't just have opportunities when we fly over an ocean. We have opportunities wherever God's placed us. One thing that is my conviction, and I want to encourage you in the same way, is wherever God has placed you, be fully present there. So when I fly in to San Francisco yesterday, my prayer is, Lord, I'm back here, and I want to be fully present. And when I look at people, when I look at whoever I'm interacting with, you all, people that I engage with in passing, I want to be fully present so that I can see what they're going through, so that I can be Jesus to them, whether it's a child, whether it's a young mom, whether it's an older person that needs encouragement, that may be struggling because they're older now, fully present with the word of his power no different. You're no different. You're no different.
going to pray over us. I don't know. I don't know if it's just the time, the seasons, my age, but I feel so much more intensity. There is an intensity. But it's a beautiful thing. It's not a disheartening thing. It's a beautiful thing. Because the Lord, He's making His bride ready. He is making His bride ready. But in the midst of that, let us be about His business. Let us be about sharing the love of Jesus. Let us be about caring about people. Let us be about giving. Let us be about being like Jesus to people. Not being too busy to be interrupted. Not being too distracted to see people around us that are open. They're more open than we think they are. They're open to hear about Jesus, about the message of Jesus and his love and his forgiveness and his freedom. We say, well, what if they're not open? Well, keep loving them. Just keep loving them. Keep loving them. Holy Spirit, let's just pray over us. I just pray a fresh anointing on you. I pray a fresh anointing of the word of his power upon you. I pray over this house that we would fix our eyes on Jesus. I pray that we would not fear the world. We would not fear the powers of this world because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Lord, I pray over those in this room that are intimidated by the world's powers and the kingdoms of this world. Lord, I pray, break off that intimidation. I pray, Father, those who are fearing rejection of man, Lord, we break that off. We break that off, the fear of rejection of man, Lord, that they would step out, that they would speak your word, that they would know that their belief in you and Therefore, they can speak forth your word. As they do that, they are favored by you, Lord. That they are not, you're, they're not out there on their own. They're favored, just like Jyoti and Pradeep, as they stand before a court system, a corrupt court system, they are favored by you because the word of power is on their tongue. And Lord, in our context as well, the word of power is on our tongue because you have given to us the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. And we can be fearless and we can have expectation that you're going to do incredible things. But Lord, we have to step out and you know that we've got to step out in faith. We've got to step out and we've got to crucify our flesh if we're feeding it, if we're wanting to be acceptable to the world. Lord, crucify that flesh 
so that we can join and be immersed in the great adventure you have for our lives here in Silicon Valley, here in South Bay, here in California, here in the U.S., where you have placed us as well as the reach that we have. Lord, I declare that, Father. I declare that, that freedom over this house. The freedom, the joy, the joy of the Lord, the joy of the message of the gospel, the power of the message of the gospel, all the good things you have for people. You have good things stored up for those who fear you, who respect you, who honor you. Lord, we release that, Father, in your precious name. If you need prayer, we have a prayer team available. God bless you as you go. Have a great day and be open to be a messenger of his word. King of endless worth, no one could express how much you deserve. Though I'm weak and poor, all I have is yours, every single breath. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within. You're looking into my heart Coming back